Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. John Moison, good to see you again. Nice to see you again yeah. too, Larry. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about the John Moison story. What is that story? What are the parts, what are the chapters to it? Wow, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big story. Um, 75 years worth of big story. Mm. I grew up in Watertown um, uh, to a single mom. Um, we lived with my grandparents. Uh, everybody that was, everybody that was um, in my family was a veteran. So I grew up in a veteran's family. My mom was an army nurse. My grandpa was a World War I vet. Uh, my uncle Jack that lived with us, he, he had post-traumatic stress. Uh, he was at Iwo Jima. Mm. And so I, no one in my, in my family had ever been to college before. So uh, it was about the time the Vietnam War was starting. And so everybody said, you know, you really should go to college. And as luck they would have it, they sent me to USD, <laughs> <laughs> which is a wonderful place. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I had a great time in college. It was, it was awesome. I was in a fraternity and um, Joined ROTC, of course, it was mandatory back in those days. Uh, I got out of the service and um, I worked for a while. I didn't need to go to the military right away, and I, I worked until uh, like December of '68, and then went into in the military in, in March of '69. Um, my lovely bride Sylvia and I got married in August of 1969. Uh, I thought I was going to Vietnam and and somehow missed it. Um, they sent me to Germany instead. Um, did, I did my time there, I came back, and I uh, thought I wanted to teach. So I went back to USD and, mm -hmm. and picked up my teaching credentials and worked on my master's degree a little bit and Sylvia taught in Wagner. And um, I drove back and forth. And from there we, we taught school. I taught at Marty Mission for a couple of years and Sylvia taught at Wagner. We moved to Clark. Uh, and I, I was unemployed at Clark. They didn't need an art teacher, so I was unemployed. So I, I painted, I painted and, and hunted geese. <laughs> and uh, I got offered a job with the state of South Dakota in 1974 um, as a graphics artist one mm -hmm. for $2.23 an hour. <laughs> and I, I quit a, a $7.50 an hour job because I hated driving truck mm -hmm. um, yeah. for a $2.23 job, but it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I, I painted, as I was, I, my degree was in art, and I started getting into, I'm um, uh, doing a lot of wildlife paintings, that's when wildlife paintings were really popular, and so I started doing those and entered the federal duck stamp contest several times. Um, I was finished 18th out of 2,000 paintings at the federal duck stamp in 1981, which was kind of special for me. Um, I, I won the South Dakota pheasant and duck stamp contest three times, uh, twice on a pheasant and once on a duck stamp. I, I worked, I started working for public safety doing charts and graphs, that was mm -hmm. before computers. And um, one of my first memories of working for state government, I'd been there about two weeks and this guy walked in and he had a shark skin suit on and he plunked down in the front of my desk and he says, where can a guy get a cup of coffee here? And it was Dick Knipe. <laughs> <laughs> and so I poured him a cup of coffee, and of course he smoked, and I smoked, and mm. we smoked and had coffee. And 
Um, from there, I, I worked for public safety, um, kind of progressed up through the, the ranks and became a management analyst and started doing forms management and you know, kind of in charge of the public safety facilities, supplies for the highway patrol and, and a lot of sure. all of our agencies. And in 1982, I got a chance to go over to the Bureau of Administration, which um, has a little bit bigger scope than, than public safety. We're responsible for all state buildings and state grounds and so on and across South Dakota. And I started working for them, but I, I kind of, because of my creative background, I, I was kind of coached into using the creativity rather than my other skills. Uh, I, and I think I, I grew up as a, uh, with a good work ethic. My grandfather used to say, if you don't lie or you don't steal, you get along just fine in life. And, and, and one of his other rules was work hard and, and everybody else might not feel good about it, but you will. And so um, I went to work for the Bureau of Administration and my creative skills kind of got me into special projects. And I, I ultimately ended up um, designing license plates for the state of South Dakota for five different Time for t five different mm -hmm. times. Um, I was in charge of the day-to-day super -day supervision of the restoration of the Capitol building to the way it is now. Um, I did. Um, I can't even remember now. Probably three inaugural balls. I was in charge of three inaugural balls mm -hmm. and uh, celebrations at the Capitol. Different, different, yeah. a variety of different things. We've worked together quite a little on some of those with we public did. broadcasting. The, the, special, the special ones were the World War yeah. II Memorial, the Korean War Memorial, and the Vietnam, Vietnam Memorial. Yeah. Um, those were the really the, the highlights of, of my career. But in the meantime, I had, we had five wonderful kids, and uh, I, oh, some sometime in the early '90s, I, I said, "Look, I you know I, I can either be a dad or an artist," and and so I had to kind of slack up on the art because I would come home from work and then I'd spend till midnight mm -hmm. every night, you know, painting ducks and geese and dogs and, uh, you know, whatever people want were, uh, and uh, what I found out was paint, painting for money is not nearly as much fun as painting for creativity and mm -hmm. just doing it. Well, you know, part of the, the one of the points on, on the conversations that we have for the Hall of Fame is to kind of pick through how that life and that accomplishment has wandered and is there any is there a takeaway for maybe someone who's just getting out of the service now just graduating and and is looking at their life and has some interests so let's talk about that creativity part first um, to to have a, a creative urge or impulse and to see that show up on canvas is one thing but how did you follow that to take it to this level of recognition and, and to really take a deeper dive in the wildlife side? You think of, of how that happened? Well, I, I grew up hunting and fishing, and so I and, and we always had dogs. Uh, never, I, I can't remember a day in my life that we didn't have a dog. And, and so I loved, loved that aspect of hunting with a dog mm. and, and um, found out that there are, are thousands and thousands of other people that love to hunt with dogs too. <laughs> And, and, and so um, people appreciated my relationship with animals mm -hmm. and, and the wildlife of South Dakota. And so I, I tried to put all of that stuff on, on canvas. And how, do, how did you practice? Is there a practicing? Is there a, a, a continuing education? What did you do to raise or to nurture that, 
that ability that was there to bring it to such a professional level. I, I always took a, um, took a lot of photos, I, I spent, but I spent a lot of time outdoors too. I took okay. my, our kids and I, we had five, five children, um, and the kids, they liked to hunt and fish and go camping, and, and so we spent a lot of time outdoors, you know, on, in the boat and, and on the beach, and, and um, um, I tried to instill that in our kids too, you know, that, that, that love of the outdoors and the, and the love of animals, and uh, they, they all do it. I mean, they all have the creative side. Uh, and I, th I think it's, it's, more, it's, it's kind of like do what you want to do. Do what you want to do, but do it right. Uh, I think that's the. I think that was my answer was to do what I want to do and do it right. How did you did, did how did you define right? How did you learn what right was and follow that? Well, it's interesting. I, every piece of art that I've ever done, everybody says Is that's your best piece of art, and I said no, no, it's not. Um, what's your best piece of art? And I said my next one. And so, uh, I always strive to, to to do something different. Now, life has changed now that we now that I'm retired and I've gotten older, and and I've, I've kind of developed this. I really don't. I, I did so many years of painting for money, mm -hmm. and so I, I don't. I don't like to do that. I don't like to have somebody looking over my shoulder, and then and then write me a check. I don't. Want, I don't like that. And so. Um, when I was at USD, um, I had this this like super creative thing going on, and and I was in a, a part of the art department that was the more conservative. There was a transition going on in in the late '60s. Mm -hmm. uh, some people from Wisconsin came in, and they were professors, and then we had the old school professors who were were kind of conservative, and the, the new professors were not, and so I tended to be to the conservative side, but I always kind of wanted to be on the, on, the, on the super creative side. So since I retired, um, I decided, okay, I'm not, I'm not painting for money anymore. Um, I spend a lot of, my wife is handicapped, and I spend a lot of time taking care of my wife. And, uh, but in my spare time, I, we bought a ranch uh, down in North of Winter. Mm -hmm. uh, I go down there and I still spend time outdoors when I can. Um, and but my wildlife, uh, my art has changed into. What I want to do is is try and capture my sense of the Vietnam War, and and some of the stuff is weird. I mean, it goes back to that group of professors that had this super creative thing and told me, hey, get out of this conservative art thing and you know come with us. And and so now I'm you know here I'm almost 75 years old and I'm finally coming with them. <laughs> But I do what I want. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in the process of, and I and then when I get done, I give them away. I, I find a veteran that that has been to Vietnam, and I give them to him. And so um, I've been writing a little poetry. Mm -hmm. uh, I do do a little of that. I I, uh, I wrote a poem for the Vietnam Memorial yeah. called "Come with Come with Come with Me, My Brother." Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I've been spending a lot of time working on veterans. Things you know, trying to help people that, that have post-traumatic stress, and so I'm, I'm channeling that creativity to other other things now that I'm a little older, and, and you get a little better once once you get away from work, where you got to be there, and you and you 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 know you had all this other stuff going on. 
uh, you got a chance to let your mind be more creative again. You can kind of go back to the creative side of, of, of where you want to be. But I'm still not there. My, well, I, I still got a lot of stuff in my head that I, I want to get rid of. <laughs> you went by something quickly that I have, have not had personal experience with, but I've heard it before, and I think it might be important to share. You were at USD, you were in a fraternity. I was. How many of those fraternity brothers did you stay in contact with through your professional life? 60 to 70 of them. Uh, in fact, in fact, uh, in two weeks, we're mm. going to a 60s Lambda Chi Alpha reunion in Vermilion. Okay. Um, and there's, there's uh, a, a pro the COVID thing's got things a little messed up. A lot of people are still afraid to do that, but we're going to have at least 50, 50 of our brothers from the 60s that are, that are coming to it. You know, there, <clears throat> talk about this for a little bit because I know that the fraternity uh, and sorority lifestyle and situation at universities has changed some, but that concept of developing relationships and maintaining those through your life, how many stories could you tell about how that has had an impact on your personal and professional life? When I went, when I went to college, I didn't have a clue. I was a, uh, a spoiled only child not spoiled financially, but spoiled because I was the only child. Um, I didn't have a clue about adulthood. And, and the fraternity turned me into an adult. I mean, it helped me become an adult and, and develop those relationships with, with people that I never had before when I was growing up. Um, you know, I had friends who used to ride bikes and shoot BB guns mm -hmm. and all that. But but th th these are these are these are deeper relationships. You know, you have roommates, and you you know you drink beer together, and you put on parties together, and socialize together, and 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 date date together, and you know, and you you've got this and eat together, and all of these relationships where you um, you change from a from a young person into an adult. And it's it's not everybody says, well, you go to college just to drink beer. Well, I did some of that too, but it's more than that. College is more than that. And, and over the years, I've learned that I don't think everybody should necessarily go to college. I think that they need to take the path that their mind and their body tells them to. Um, uh, we've got five children. Not all of them were college material, okay? Uh, we had two, two of our five went, went to vocational school. Um, both of those two that went to vocational school, um, one of them went back and got his degree in, in construction management. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one just signed, she just signed, she's got three kids and she signed up for um, radiology technician sure. program. Uh, you know, and she's, she's 40 years old. And mm -hmm. our other daughter, she works at the men's prison in Sioux Falls and she's working on a PA degree on the side. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's working like this mega hours of overtime and now she's working on her, on her to get a, become a PA, mm. and so um, college is, is is not meant for everybody right away, but some someday it might be. Okay. Um, for, for, for my example, I, I've got a ranch. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've in the last twenty years, I've finally realized what it's like to be be a farmer and rancher in South Dakota. It's it's probably the most difficult thing on the planet. Uh, there's there's crops and soil and machinery and and uh, cattle and and water and rain and hail and <laughs> yeah and and, and see so the older you get you know you you 
you become more of an adult than you did before you got <laughs> when you got to college. But that 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 whole concept of of maintaining those relationships and and the way that you supported each other in that fraternity college environment has carried over because I've heard a lot of Lambda Chi stories and that those relationships that you, and, and, and this doesn't have to be a fraternity, right. but there is something to doing that that can support you personally and maybe even professionally. It's, it's true, that's very true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I got to USD, they found out that I had some art talent in the fraternity, mm -hmm. so they put me in charge of the float for the Dakota Day Parade. And, and uh, Lambda Chi's got first place. We had a Cinderella flight. It was mm -hmm. the first time ever that they'd gotten a, a first place. Mm -hmm. Then they found out I was an artist, and they said, "Well, hey, we're going to make you a stroller." So I was—I got to paint the stroller's background. Okay. The stroller's backdrop yeah. that they use is, is the one I painted in 1968 or seven. I want to—I want to jump ahead back into your work through state government with the Bureau of Administration. Um, I've, I've worked for the same organization for a long time, and I've had several different jobs, and that—that that is a. I have a personal view on that, but I'm always interested to hear people like you, who similarly, you're working in one place, but you have several different jobs. What were you thinking? What, how did that happen? How did, how did doors open, or how did you open doors for your career? Um, again, it goes back to the creativity. Um, there's, there's a, uh, what I found out uh, through life, uh, and not just necessarily in state government, but there's a, a whole lot of people that, that, can't, that don't have a vision. They just kind of go from day to day to week to week and months to months. Um, and, and people, once you, once you can identify people that have creativity, those are the people that you be, become reliant upon. Now, people have different creativities in different different areas, okay? Uh, mine just happened to be a little odd and strange and, and out-of-the-box thinking. And, and so I, I think that out-of-the-box thinking and using the words, what if, what if we did this, or what if we did that, uh, always would stimulate people. And, and working, working for state government, um, I, tr I tried very hard to stay out of politics. Uh, I always said, people said, what was your job? And I said, my job is to make the boss look good. <laughs> no, no matter how bad or, or good the boss was, my job was to make the boss look good. And so I, I never really wanted any or demanded any or asked for any credit for doing anything. I simply had this task that, that I knew, and I ended up working for seven governors that, that knew what they wanted, uh, they understood me, I understood them, and they gave me a task, and, and I accomplished those tasks. But I was checked back, you know, I'd go back and say, okay, well, here's what we're planning on doing, are you, you okay with that? You know, just making sure that, mm -hmm. that we're on sound ground. But I, um, I only, dated, only donated twice politics-wise in state government. I just, I just I hated to get involved in that. Sure because that's your ticket out of state government, and a man with five kids can't have a ticket like that. <laughs> but um, people, once they find out that you've got some creativity, they, they start, you, you kind of be the go-to guy. Okay. You know, what about this, or what about this, or what's your experience on this? And what, what I worry about, and, and me in particular, is 
and a lot of people who work for state government is the lost history of, of, of peer and the lost history of the capital complex and the lost history of state government and the lost history of where did public television come from mm -hmm. and, and the lost history of the University of South Dakota. That's what I worry about is, is, is people kind of come and once, once you retire, you kind of fade off into the sunset and no, nobody captures that lost history. That's what's really good about the Hall of Fame because it captures the lost history of South mm -hmm. Dakota. What do you want that, uh, that if it were a paragraph, uh, that history that John Moyson wants to be remembered for? the dream that he created, how he chased it, and the takeaway? Um, the, the, the dream that I've chased, I, I guess, is, is to have a successful marriage, which we have for 53 years, uh, to have a wonderful family, um, and we do. All of our kids are doing good. They've got great families. Um, I had a great job. I mean, I, I can honestly tell you, for the better part of 35 years, I couldn't wait to get to work, and I hated to go home. And that's 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 kind of rare, especially when we got into the into World War II Memorial and Korean mm -hmm. War Memorial. It took me a long time to realize that I was a veteran. Okay, and and when we when we had the World War II Memorial, and I went down, and when, you, when you're supervising these kinds of things, you don't do anything except ride around on a golf cart and make sure everybody's doing what they said they were gonna do. And uh, I went down by the Fighting Stallions Memorial, and, and there was hospital beds, and wheelchairs, and nurses, and old soldiers that were on chemo and sick, mm -hmm. and, and every time the flag came by, a nurse would stand them up or sit them up in the bed and they would salute the flag. And, and I'm going, wow, this is, this is amazing. We're doing something really, really good for, for South Dakota. We're doing something good for soldiers. People can go home and they can die in peace or live in peace, whatever they want. Um, and, and so um, the Vietnam Memorial, okay? I saw 43,000 people holding hands saying the Lord's Prayer, okay? I, you don't see that anywhere in America. Uh, and, I, and I said, we did something good. We really did something good here. When did, when did you realize that, or, or was that underlined? Because what, what I'm hearing you say, John, is, is, is that you did something good for someone, and that's why you went to work early and came home late. It was that per personal satisfaction of seeing other people happy. And, and, and in the case of the, of the war memorials and the, and the fighting stallions, um, to give them the recognition that's necessary and, and to make them walk away from there. And, and I always had a saying for these events, if you don't come to this event, you'll always be sorry, and if you do come, you'll never forget it. That was my motto, is if you don't come, you'll be sorry, and if you, if you do come, you'll never forget it. And, and I kind of live by that, and that's what I tried to portray in, in what I did at work. Um, yeah, this is a weird story. I can tell it to you if you got time, but... Um, we, got, we got two minutes. Okay, all right. Um, 
George Mickelson loved the Fighting Stallions Memorial. Mm -hmm. Loved that. He, and he sent the Bureau of Administration a letter. He said, I want to get a, fighting, a, a full size Fighting Stallions Memorial on a couple of grounds. And so, of course, that filtered down to me. And they said, Moisten, you've got to figure out how we're going to do this. And I said, OK. And I had that file laying in my, my, my file folder on top of there. And I, and I had made several phone calls trying to figure out how I was going to raise the money to do that. And then, of course, the plane crash happened mm -hmm. and, and all of that stuff happened. So that letter just sat in my in-basket. Uh, the morning after George Mickelson's funeral, Linda Mickelson called me at home about 6.30. And she said, can you come over to the mansion? We'd like to visit with you. And I just, in my mind, I knew exactly what it was about. Mm. And I stopped by my office, I picked up that folder, I drove over to the mansion, and they poured me a cup of coffee, and I put the folder on the table, and they looked at it, and they said, let's go find a site. That, it, was that, it was that simple. It was, mm. And it was a, I, don't know, I had a premonition, I don't know whether God or an external force made me keep that letter there, or whether somebody said no, but no, because I'm not going to donate because I want to donate later. You know, I don't, I don't know how all that comes together. It's a lot of this stuff you can never figure out. Um, but, but that's an interesting story, and that, that's how we ended up with the Fighting Stallions Memorial. How many times have you, have you listened to that voice? It's a, I, a, I bet a lot, lots, lots, lots. Um, I had a piece of ground come up in Tripp County, mm -hmm. and the voice said buy it. Mm. I bought it. I paid $412 an acre for it. It's worth a lot more than <laughs> that today. <laughs> but it's been a lot of work. So uh, now that's why I have my appreciation for farmers and ranchers that yeah. I do. John, thank you for the conversation it's, it's and for all that you've done, not only in your artistic but in your public service career. Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.